0: morning good to see you here you know awesome morning of uh, singing together baptism and lots going on so glad you you joined us i want to welcome those who are listening online welcome here you can find your message notes either in your program this morning or you can go to your Uversion bible app under uh events click uh, circle drive and your notes will come up you can uh, add to them you can save them and you can share them If you're visiting with us today, we're really happy that you're here with us. We are entering into the Easter season, and I will begin a new series called When Dad is Good. And it's an excellent opportunity for you to invite your friends to be part of this uh, unusual topic, and I hope that you enjoy it. It's a time of year when many people who don't uh, normally Uh, participate in Christian activities are curious about the Easter season and if you give them an invitation many of them will come and so it could be beginning of something great and we're praying that the messages we present will be helpful and engaging so we will look for you next week if uh, I want to speak this morning to those of you who are believers so if you're not a follower of Jesus This may be helpful information for your future as to what spiritual growth entails. I hope you come back next week for the beginning of a a series of messages that I'm really excited to present. In talking to believers over the years, uh, many of you say, I want to grow deeper. I want to get to know Jesus Christ in a fuller way in probing what that means, often there's a fuzziness as to what that encompasses, and but the expectation is that somehow they'll grow deeper by one hour on a sunny morning. So there's a lot of pressure on me to make sure that in one hour you can get spiritually mature. And uh, I, I just want to dispel some myths this morning about that. It's, it's like watching Hockey Night in Canada and expecting you'll be drafted into the NHL. Uh, for, for men, it's like having a one-hour conversation with your wife about how we can have a better marriage and then ignoring her for the rest of the week. It just, trust me, it won't work, okay? Just so you know, we do have the marriage course if you are following that plan. (laughs) Now, spiritual growth comes from active participation with Jesus and engaging with vibrant Christian people. It begins but with embracing an accurate understanding of spiritual maturity. And there are three key things about growing up in Jesus. A spiritually mature person is one who lives as if God is who he says he is and will do all that he has promised. That's critical to know. A spiritually mature person gets up every day and lives consistent with the knowledge that God, who is revealed in scripture, is with us which means a spiritually mature person does what anyone would do if God was with us 24-7. And let me tell you, God is with you 24-7. He's always there, his eye is always on you, he's always with you, and he is for you. The myth that many Jesus followers believe, and this is a myth, you will be spiritually mature if you have a lot of biblical knowledge and it's a myth. While there's an element of knowing the Bible and it's critical and important, knowing alone does not make you spiritually mature. There are parts of the world in which they don't have a Bible in their own language, in their mother tongue, and yet they have come to know Christ in a meaningful and vibrant way and have become spiritually mature. Consider why I have presented these three ideas about spiritual maturity. A, a spiritually mature person is one who has big faith. One who has big faith. In the book of Genesis, the first book in the entire Bible, we see that there was a relationship between God and mankind, and it was broken simply because they did not have faith in God. They did not take God to be who he said he was and doubted his promises. They lived like God could not be trusted. In a moment of temptation and insanity, they trusted another voice that said they could become like God if they partook of something that God prohibited. Then you walk through the entire Old Testament And you find stories that are predominantly about, trust me, I'm the God that can be trusted. So whether it's David and Goliath who who killed the enemy, or the Amalekites who were defeated by God's army. Whatever the story, it is a story about you can trust God, you can have faith in God. When you come to the stories in the New Testament, the Gospels, Jesus himself was saying, place your trust in me, have faith in me. You can be reunited with God by placing your faith and trust in Christ and all that he has done. Now there are two stories in the New Testament where Jesus was amazed. He was amazed only two times. You'll find one in Matthew chapter eight and the parallel story in Luke chapter seven, where a centurion, a Gentile, somebody who was not of faith came to Jesus one day and said, "Look, my servant back home is sick. Would you heal him? And Jesus said, hey, come on, let's go. And he said, wait, wait, wait. The centurion said, I'm a man of authority. I say to my servant, go there, and he goes there. I call for a servant to come here, and he comes here. You don't have to come with me. Would you just speak the word so that my servant could be healed? And Jesus spoke the word, and that very hour it says, the servant was healed. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. And then there's a story about in mark chapter 6 where jesus was astonished he was amazed at the lack of faith and because of their lack of faith he could not perform any miracles in that region two times jesus was amazed and it was both having to do with faith so a spiritually mature person is one who has big faith and b spiritual development is faith development faith development this morning i want to address the question what fuels the development of faith what are the ingredients that when you put in the pot and stir them together result in greater confidence in the person and the promises of god what produces spiritual growth some of you may be familiar with a writer by the name of reggie joint Johnner, who has done research about those who have grown spiritually. What, What were the ingredients, what were the conditions by which they grew? And he gives five common elements that I want to review for you this morning. This is not an exhaustive list. You might have a list of seven or three, doesn't matter. I want to give to you this morning five. The first one is practical teaching practical teaching. Whenever people talk about spiritual growth, it includes practical Bible teaching, whether it is in church or in a mentoring relationship or a Bible study. It is not study for knowledge sake, but rather, here's what the scriptures say, and here's what you need to do. So the faith factor is, when my obedience intersects with God's faithfulness, my faith grows. My faith grows. When you apply scripture and something positive it happens, it impacts your faith. Whenever you read through the Gospels and trace Jesus' teaching, he never says to the crowd that's before him, okay, I want to pick up from last day, you know, take out your scrolls, turn to Joel chapter 2, we're going to begin at verse 1. All right? I want to give you the Greek or the Hebrew word, and let you know what this means. Rather, he has something in mind to teach. And he knows the audience, and he teaches to apply to their life uh, situation, and he uses word pictures to punctuate the idea. For example, remember the story of the seed that falls on different kinds of soil? The, the path and, you know, into the weeds and and then unto grit soil. And he uses that picture to punctuate the idea that the seed, your faith, is accentuated by the kind of condition your heart is in. So he uses this word picture. Then he, remember the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son? He wanted to teach about How God pursues people in order to dispel the myth that God is someone who is aloof and and waiting for people to mess up. But rather, God is like this father with open arms who runs towards his son to call them back to himself. Every Sunday, your teaching team is attempting to have your faith intersect with the obedience. This best happens when we talk about real life from God's perspective. And then we end each week with saying, here's how you can apply what we've been teaching today. So the first ingredient is practical teaching. The second one is private discipline. Private discipline. People who discuss what contributed to their spiritual growth include stories about the first time they prayed, or about a vibrant quiet time that they've had, or how they began trusting God with their money. The faith factor is when God speaks to us through the Bible, reading, or answer prayer, or blesses our generosity, our faith is strengthened. This is why we return to topics like prayer, generosity, or mission. And this is why we offer spiritual mentoring, and vantage point, or our Holy Spirit weekend. These environments focus not so much on knowledge, but rather application of what you already know. The focus is not telling you what to do and umpteen verses to back up the command, but rather we focus on the practice, on how to do your personal disciplines. Here's how you can do it. Let's experiment together. So we teach people how to read the Bible for, for application, how to meditate, how to listen to God's voice, how to pray, how to journal. These are the ingredients by which we grow when we develop our own personal disciplines. When I was uh, in the Middle East I was talking with a team leader in a particular region and he said we've had many people come as international workers and they don't survive. I said what's the primary reason they don't survive? And he said because They have never learned how to self-feed. They've relied on others who feeding them. And so when they get into this kind of environment, they cannot survive. Friends, you need to know how to survive so that God can call you anywhere he wants. Third ingredient is personal ministry. When you speak with those who have a vibrant faith and develop spiritual maturity, Their story always includes serving others. Whether it's a mission trip or helping the disadvantaged, these serving opportunities often place us in environments that stretch us. That is the place where we learn to trust God and become dependent on the Holy Spirit to work in our life and through our service to others. We come to understand that we're not really serving other people, but as we serve others, We're actually serving our Heavenly Father. Even Jesus said, When you serve the least of these people, you're serving your Father in heaven. Jesus was constantly pushing his followers to trust God through serving others. He sent out the twelve, and then he sent out the seventy-two, and and they would come back and they say, Jesus, you know, this happened, and you know, I'm not sure what we were doing. Can you explain this? Or we tried to, you know, cast out demons in this person and we weren't successful. Like, can you just help us understand? It is in the serving environments that push us towards growth. Here's the faith factor. Serving others forces us to consciously be dependent on God and thus our faith is strengthened. Our faith is strengthened. This is why We encourage participation in a strategic service team. This is just not to meet our own needs, so Circle can offer various kinds of ministry opportunities, but we encourage serving because of what it does to your faith development. So every three years in the high school ministry, we send a team of people on a mission trip to Peru. So once in your high school experience, you're able to serve in a different country. We have kids ministry volunteers and youth ministry volunteers. And Victoria talked about that this morning in her story, how she has grown through these opportunities. Guest services and mentoring and circle group leaders. Today, we are challenging you on a 6K walk on behalf of people who are disadvantaged. And you can sign up online, or you can talk to Jason at the back of the service today. These are opportunities in which you will actually strengthen your faith. And inside your program this morning is this insert on generosity. And you can sign up to serve uh, in the inner city at City Center on Easter Sunday. It's a great opportunity to intersect with another people group and strengthen your faith as you do it. So personal ministry. Fourth, pivotal circumstances. Pivotable, pivotal circumstances. In people's journeys of faith, they report something happened that pushed them towards faith. They will say things like, my parents divorced and I went to a new school and I felt alone and I had to trust God or I got sick, or lost my job, or had a tragedy, or there was a death in the family, or a financial reversal. And these pivotal pivotal experiences push us towards faith in Christ. Even positive circumstances, like having a baby, or getting married, or moving to a new city because of a job promotion, push people, towards considering faith. So here's the faith factor. Pivotal circumstances test and therefore strengthen our confidence in God. Now here's the thing. Most pivotal circumstances that get people thinking about God are negative. Negative circumstances can destroy faith, but it is also the catalyst for spiritual growth. It forces us to trust God in circumstances to test our faith. Remember the story of Lazarus and how Lazarus got sick and the news reached Jesus. Jesus was in another town some kilometers away and the disciples said, hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. Let's go, let's go there so you can touch him and heal him. And Jesus said, ah, Let's have another cup of coffee. When they finished coffee, he said, Hey, there's a restaurant down the road. I want to I try. Hey, let's go there. And they delayed, so Lazarus died. And Jesus then went, because his, his idea was, he just didn't want to heal him. He wanted to bring him back from death. And... This was a pivotal pivotal circumstances, not only for Jesus and his disciples and followers, but for the religious leaders of the day. When that happened, they began to plot Jesus' death because his popularity was becoming too much. And without the death of Lazarus, there would be no Easter. So good came out of bad. When it comes to negative circumstances, the difference is often if we combine pivotal pivotal circumstances with providential relationships, and that's the fifth one. People who help us navigate difficult circumstances and help us interpret life correctly within a biblical context. See, when people discuss their spiritual growth and what contributed to a vibrant, spiritual maturity, it always includes other people. They will say things like, I didn't have a faith. I wasn't interested in God. And then I met somebody who invited me to church. Or I was in an environment where I met Christian people and I saw that they were regular, ordinary, nice people. And I began to hang around them, and eventually, I got interested in Christ, and I became a Jesus follower, or I was golfing with someone, and I noticed he was just a regular guy. And one day, he invited me into a Christian environment, and it changed my life. See, my own faith story includes a pivotal pivotal person and a providential relationship. I was in a very religious church, all kinds of rules. The rules weren't working for me. Don't smoke too, run around with girls who do, that kind of thing. And my, my religious experience was all about the rules. And listen, I'm sure that the church would dispute that. They had other, I'm sure, good intentions. But for me, in my immaturity, that's the way I interpret it. And I decided I was going to toss church, and I was going to toss God, and I was just going to go my own way. And one day, my uncle called me up, called me for lunch, and said, look, why don't you come to the church I pastor? I'll introduce you to some guys, and just hang out, and just... Look at who Jesus is. Don't look at all the rules. Just look at who Jesus was. And I took his invitation, was introduced to a bunch of guys my age who were vibrant Christians. And in that context, I came to Christ. And if it weren't for that moment and it wasn't for that providential relationship, I wouldn't be standing here today. I was... uh, Golfing a few years ago. Actually, I wasn't golfing when I golf. It's just a walk in the forest But I was uh, driving the cart for my son and kind of his caddy for the day and we were partnered up with uh, a father-in-law and a son-in-law It became evident that the, the father-in-law had faith the son-in-law told me he was a scientist And he was a skeptic. So throughout the course, he was firing questions at me at the end of the game. He said, hey, why don't we go to the clubhouse and have a beer? And I said, "Okay." And I had a Coke, just for the record. (laughs) And uh, they had beer and lots of it. And uh, he began peppering me with questions. He said, listen. the, the Bible is full of contradictions. I said, bring it on, show me them. And so he gave me one or two and I responded and we had this long conversation. And then he gave me his email address and we emailed back and forth and I would point him to different things that he might want to consider and showed him the the loopholes in his own thinking and the biases. and and that Christianity really did strengthen science and science Christianity. Uh, Over a couple years of conversation, uh, this young man came to faith. And I would submit to you, that was a providential relationship. And I want to say to you, that we often don't know that we're in a providential relationship until we look back. We don't enter into a relationship and say, hey, this is going to be providential. We just enter into relationship. And by the way, if you have questions about faith, we love them here. And we're starting Alpha in a few weeks. And if you want to be part of Alpha, Alpha is an environment in which you can ask all the questions you have and we have a meal together around a small, uh, it's kind of a small group around a table, and we can discuss the video that we see and ask the questions we have. But here's the faith factor. When we see God's faithfulness in someone else's life, it is easier to trust God with our own life. When we see faith in others, It's easier to trust God with our own life. We have all seen what happens to people who just get disconnected from faith. It it reminds me of the old illustration of the logs and the fire, and you take the log off the fire, and you set it aside, and soon it begins to smolder, and eventually it just goes out. But when we're together in a community of people, Our faith is strengthened, and we become alive and vibrant. When we are in providential relationships, we're almost unaware of it. We look back and see, God brought that person into my family, or God brought that person into my life. And you cannot manufacture that, but you notice it when you look back when I was uh, at the conference in Athens and all of the international workers came together from the silk and the sand regions and they were able to tell their stories, stories that cannot be published. And I met Colette. Colette uh, was into new age and actually into uh, worshiping uh, demonic spirits. She lived in a little town north of Saskatoon And a friend in that town was a Christian and began to just relate to to Colette. And one day she said to Colette, could I invite you to church? And because Colette was interested in all kinds of spiritual things, whether they were dark or light, she accepted the invitation and ended up here in this church. At the time, we had a, a vibrant singles group that she was part of. She worked construction up uh, out, out in the north. And in that group, she encountered Jesus Christ because of the vibrancy of, that, of those relationships inside that group. She was brought into the youth ministry, just like Victoria, brought into the youth ministry. There was about 15 or 16 people that were being trained to be youth workers at the time. And it was in that environment, in those relationships, she felt called to ministry. She thought she needed to go to Bible school, so she wanted to work in the oil fields up in north, northern Alberta, and moved there. It didn't really work out, but the church there in that Alberta community asked if she would become the children's worker. And because she had youth training here, they thought she could handle the job, and to make a long story short, Colette felt, called to missions, went into seminary, studied visiology, and is now in Western Africa. She owns a radio station, and there she uh, has some Christian programming, invites people to a prayer room, and hundreds of women, particularly who are far, far from God in another faith, steeped in another faith, come for prayer. And it all began because of a providential relationship and ministry opportunity. Friends, that is the way we develop spiritual maturity. And that's why we encourage relationships, whether it's through circle groups or alpha or connection events, Because these five conditions for vibrant faith work together. Can I ask you to do something? Would you take a look at the list of those five ingredients that when mixed together produce spiritual vibrancy and ask yourself, where am I weak? And would you take steps this week to strengthen that? Easter season begins at circle next week. And I would just encourage you to review your friend's list. I don't know when the last time it was when you said to your friend, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a Christian and I go to a a church that I'm sure you would be interested in. Would you come with me this next Sunday? And if you would do that, you never know what will happen in the life of a person. It might be the beginning of something exciting and wild next Sunday we begin when bad is good and you won't want to miss it. The good news at Circle is that we're a church that's growing, particularly with young families and we're excited by that. Uh, If you were in the back room, some days it's a real tension. There's uh, lots of of parents and kids and if uh, you're picking up kids when you go down that hallway uh, on the east side of the building, it's so congested. So we have come up with an idea, and I need your cooperation. So if you could just listen up, because it's it has to retrain your brain. So uh, if you have children in the early years, uh, nursery, so on, ca- the castle toddler room, if you would use that hallway and come through Entrance D next Sunday, come through Entrance D as you normally do, and register your children there. But if your children are KCS, you can see the KCS initials on that side, if you would, uh, this morning, exit out that doorway, there will be people in the hallway directing you to where the KCS room is. It would relieve the congestion and make it a little easier for everybody. There's a check-in center on that side. We'll show you how to do that. So it, then next week when you come, if you would park on that side and come in, in entrance A or B, and those who have early childhood uh, children, you can do what you normally do, come to entrance D. You don't have to retrain your brain. But if you have children in kindergarten to grade 5, Please use that entrance. Now, here's the good news. It's the same distance from here around that way as it is from here around that way. Just the design of the building. It was brilliant. So please, if you could help us, that would be great. All parents, KCS, go that way. All early childhood, go that way. If you're a grandparent, you can just celebrate. So thank you very much for your cooperation. Would you stand? I hope you celebrate with Victoria in the back. Just congratulate her today for her step in baptism. And stop by and talk to Jason. And be part of the 6K walk. God bless you. Have a great week.